1: Hello and welcome to another edition of your favourite podcast, Insane in, the Insane
0: in the Membrane.
1: Welcome, brainers, uh, membraners. I can't remember we were going to have a nickname, weren't we, for us. I can't remember, that fell right away, so I did it pretty quick. But um, welcome aboard. Good to see you. Thank you to the, our, our listeners for continuing to support us. Thank you to new listeners. Uh, thank you to everyone for taking the time to shove this in your in your lug holes. We really appreciate it. Um, I hope you're doing all right. I'm actually I'm actually on on the up. I feel I had I had a moment the other week. I was down, I was low, but um, I reached out, asked for help, and now I'm on the up. It's a weird. I, I feel I feel better than I have in a long time. It's a, it's a nice place to be. Um, I've thrown off the shackles of the past running headlong into the future. It's, um, yeah, it's a good times I feel are ahead of us as we come out of these dark, dark days. Hang on, hang on a little bit more, hang on tight. I know we're hanging on by our fingertips already, but hang on a little bit longer and we'll be out of this. Don't you worry about that, it's coming. The sun is the sun will soon be shining and we'll be back out touching and hugging and all that kind of business. So don't you worry about that. Uh, thank you to our patrons as well. Patrons. Thank you for your continued support. Uh, thank you to our new patrons. We have Carly Giles, Teresa Coyne and Kelly Gingle. Or Jingle, is it Gingle? Oh, I assume it's Gingle. Or Ging, Ging. it's not Gingle, is it? No, it would be Gingle? Gingle. I imagine it's Gingle. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for jumping up and becoming our patrons. Yeah, we really appreciate that. And uh, and to all of our other patrons. Now, there's some of you that are like you're like you're like top-end patrons and I said to you that I would do a uh, I'd have a chat with you. Uh, and I haven't got around to it yet, but I'm going to I am going to. So, um uh, either drop me a line and say, hey, where's my bloody where's my bloody chat?" Or I'll get your email address and I'll come find you, and we'll have a chat. We'll have a wake. Uh I said I would do that, and I'm going to do it. So, um, yeah. So thank you for that. Also, this we we did a thing the other week. Now, producer Paul and I do a, a radio show on Islington Radio called the Tuned Up Time Machine, and uh, we're going to be we've got a Twitch channel as well that we're going to start using uh, a little bit more. And we did a party. We put a party on via Twitch the other week. That was so well received. People were saying, we had some chat going on, a couple of screens up, and we were dancing, and then we were taking requests from people in the chat, and better back and forth messaging and music playing, and it was wonderful. We are only supposed to do an hour, and we did three. So, what we're gonna do, if you're out, if you want, right, us here, Paul and I, via the tuned up time machine, uh, you can hire us if you want, and we will DJ a party for you in your flat, in your house, wherever you are. Um, we'll set it up from our end, so you just got the music pumping out, and then you can on away we go. It's a it's really it's a really good fun thing that we did, and uh, and I think it, it'll be it's really good to raise to boost the morale of the people out there. So there's there's something for you. You can hire the tuned up time machine, producer Paul and I will will give you a party. How about that? So. Let's do that. That'll be great fun. So yeah. So thank you everybody for your for your continued support and uh, and hope you know hopefully you know we'll be we'll be out of this soon enough as I've already said. So um, our guest this week, I've known I've known him many years. Um, I met him uh, when he booked me for his comedy night. Him and his uh, lovely wife Emma uh, booked me for their comedy night class comedy. And um, yeah, Josh Phillips. Josh Phillips uh, is the keyboard player uh, in uh, Procol Harum. As well as he was the uh, band that were in uh, Quadrophenia, the the movie, the Peak Townsend, uh, uh, the Who movie, Um, as as well as other things. He's he's also the guy that wrote the theme tune for uh, for Strictly. So, you know, he's a man of many talents and he he knows a lot of people in the music Mm biz. and he, he's just a lovely dude, and we talked ages ago about him coming on. And it's one of those things—is like, you know, when I see people, I'm like, oh, "Come on, come on!" And like, "Yeah, yeah!" And then we never get around to sorting it out. And then, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, Josh, let's get Josh on." He's such a lovely man, um, and it's a real—it was a real pleasure to have him on, as it is with everybody that comes on. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just nice. that What you'll hear is uh, two friends that haven't seen each other for a while catching up. Uh, I know that sounds that doesn't sound as exciting to other people, but it, it was an actually it was an actually really nice chat. So, um, listen, let's just stop rambling. Let's go on with it. Coming up in a bit is Josh Phillips.
0: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. A podcast from producer paul.co.uk.
1: How you been, Josh? How's your mum? Is she all right? Because you were looking after her.
2: Yes, thank you. I just went up there uh, the day before yesterday because, you know, she's um, she's 92 this year. Yeah. Uh, and she's an amazing lady. I mean, she's got extraordinary, extraordinary stories and incredible Life history, and I mean she, she's you know she's doing all right. Thanks very much, but she's on her own. My stepdad died um, just before Christmas. I'm
1: sorry to hear that, mate.
2: Oh well, he was an old. He was 304 years old. So it was it was about time. Actually, he was 94, (laughs) but you've always got around 300 on top of it. So he, yeah, that was a bit a bit odd going to the funeral. That was very strange. 15 people. There should have been about 200 there. Yeah, uh, that was very odd but thanks for asking mum's good and I said I'm gonna go back yesterday which I did came back as I said because I'm doing an interview in the morning for a friend of mine who's a very fine comedian and lovely person bless you so oh, we well, do send my love
1: Oh do send it back oh that's amazing um when we talked about this ages ago about you coming on and we never I never
2: got round to it but here you are finally got you on well I mean I think because I'm just not you know I'm in the country like the rest of us none of us have anywhere are we apart no. from i mean tonight i'm going to do something really different oh yeah yeah i'm going to sit on the other sofa <laughs>
1: uh, I, so I find that i find myself sitting in different places that are, like standing on the stairs the top of the stairs uh just to find something different to do um it's yeah it's been a funny one and it hopefully we'll be coming out of this and the gigs will start the gigs will start we can start hugging again you know. seriously
2: man i i don't know how i don't know how you've coped mentally uh i mean it's been a really hard one at times you know i mean I'm very lucky because I'm a composer mm. but i mean um the the you know i haven't not done a a public performance of some form or other since about nineteen seventy seven yeah right and seriously uh just, uh, well, uh, sorry. You were asking me how's my mum, so I started. No, but the thing is, it's this is the, what uh, this
1: this conversation will just flow. It's just like two mates sitting in a pub, just having a chat, and whatever comes up. With no up. fucking beer. With no fucking beer. It's um, it. You'd have to be some kind of psychopath not to be affected by what's gone on this year. You know, like you just said, you you know, you've been performing since the late. Mid to late seventies, and and now you're and now you're you know you're stuck at home, and yeah, you've got your studio, you can go and do some some work, but that that experience being a, being out in front of people, being amongst people, you know, it's we I don't re- we didn't realise how important it was.
2: No, I think I think that's kind of twofold. I think that's kind of uh, behind the screen and the other side of the screen as well. I mean, think of us as we're behind the screen mm. or behind the camera, if you like, and and in front of the camera um and it's a very odd feeling because uh i don't i mean i think i've heard this from other musicians and probably comedians as well but it's almost it's almost a little bit daunting and scary the thought of getting back up on stage Mm. in front of fifty thousand people you know there's a lot of festivals that we have meant to have done and it's like i can't imagine doing that at the moment i actually can't imagine doing it all of it just seems so alien i mean if i was to see you uh, let's say all the restrictions are lifted next week and I met up with you and we were allowed to you know, have a pint together and it apparently mm. is allegedly all normal and we can hug and all of those things that I think has been affected drastically and dramatically that yeah. paranoia has kind of set in with us all of like well, I don't yep. know if I want to hug. I mean I didn't hug my mum even though she's had a vaccine and I had a mask on I didn't hug her I and mean, she said oh I'm sure you can put your arm around me quickly so I gave her a quick hug as I went. Mm. Usually I'd give her a big hug and we'd be sitting together and I'd be sitting next to her on the sofa and laughing and you know we had a good good laugh, but um but going back to the music thing, that whole feeling of uh of performing again, I'm sure it'll probably just come straight back yeah. and we'll do it. Same for you. But the thought of getting up on stage initially is like it might feel like the first time for the for a first couple of minutes. I
1: think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be definitely there was a moment in between these lockdowns where we did do some live stuff and we were doing it outside in gardens and things like that and I remember you know I, I completely forgot all of my material I forgot everything I've ever done and I remember just standing there just like oh, I don't remember how to do this and it, like you say for a minute or two I was like oh my god I just started telling some stories vague stories about something else and it gradually yeah. the wheel started to turn again and the, the rust started to fall away but yeah there was definitely a moment where you're like, oh my god I don't remember I don't remember and then that so yeah, there will be an element of that. But then I think the other side of it, there's gonna be such excitement to be back out again that I think hopefully pretty soon all the paranoia and that will start to drop away when we start to realise that we're not actually gonna kill each other by hugging. I think yeah. I think I think that's the thing, isn't it? You're more worried I'm I don't know about you, but I'm worried about I don't touch people because I don't, I'm don't, scared that I'll infect them, even if I, I think I... I don't know if I've got what I've got. You know, there is that element, you know. So, yeah, it be nice I mean, it goes. Did,
2: I, I mean, I, I can't wait to get... Have you been vaccinated yet, Rich? Really? No, not yet. No, I mean, I, you know, soon, as soon as possible. I just want my life back. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I want to go on the road again, obviously. I mean, we had, um, well, 30... I think about 30-something shows last year yeah. with Procol. All cancelled. I mean, it was incredible because we were meant to be doing a show at the beginning of the very beginning of the year, last January, which we couldn't do because Gary had, had a road accident. He's okay, by the way, but he, he got in a car crash. Right. So that got cancelled. And, um, and then the next set of shows was meant to be, um, we were starting on the 4th of March through to the 9th of March. We had four shows and you won't believe where. Where? Where? Lombardy in Italy. What? And that's exactly where the virus started. Wow. And that would have been on the fourth of March, and we would have been yeah. there, and we would have all fucking got it. Yeah, you would have done as well. Oh my god. Or got it bad. I would have thought it would have gone. Yeah. And the bass yeah. player, he said to me, Josh, I think you're exaggerating. You know, this was about two weeks before. He said, I'm going. I know, you know, I, I'm, I'm going. We'll just have to do it without you. And I said, I don't think you will be going, Matt. I really don't no. think you will be. Uh, I said I've got a feeling this is quite a, bi- a big one. Yeah, we didn't. None of us. I don't. I don't think we realised how big. I'll tell you what I did, Rich, yeah. because we we're chatting down the pub, although we're not really in a pub. Yeah. But, and this is where I question the whole uh, thing as far as the government's inability to get anything right in this country. I mean, mm. they don't. You know, they they're claiming to be. Pioneers of this vaccine rollout and the rest, but well, they're not. It's the NHS and it's the you know, and, and it's the local authorities. It's nothing to do with Matt Hancock. No, nothing, and the rest of the No, Matt Handjob, as I call him, and and he um, <laughs> and, and on the fifteenth of February, I bought three. Is that I've got one? of them still here. Three hand sanitizers, five hundred mil. I kept. And it was 495 a bottle. I kept one for me, and I sent one up to Oscar in University and one down at the mm-hmm. studio here. That was on the 15th of February. How come I thought about it, but the government yeah. didn't. It wasn't and until that- the 23rd of March that it was a, yeah. a, a, a panic. Yeah. And, and my other thing is that that was 495. I went to try and buy some more on March the 28th, and it was 49 quid a bottle. bastards. And that was on Amazon, and I just thought. Right well somebody knows something here more than we do, yeah. you know because yeah, suddenly yeah, yeah. like these contracts that have been awarded you know the PPE contracts or so have been awarded by Tory scumbags you know and I and I it's we shouldn't be getting political but all of that then ha- went on to create such a massive destruction of our industry your industry my industry yeah. all of us you know and we're the you know we're the first out and we're going to be the last back and and yes. and I think that we so easily could have Probably not easily. I don't know, but I'm sure we could have. This couldn't. It could have. It could have been less damaging than it has been.
1: Yeah, if there'd been an immediate, what we don't know what this is. We're locking down now. Everyone's stay indoors until we figure it out. Yeah, but it was very vague. Like you said, it's very vague. It's very kind of. Oh, well, we're just going to see. And then Boris said that thing about, oh, well, it's herd herd immunity. You know, more people get it, the more it will spread, and the more you know, we'll get through it quicker and. And you're like you asshole. That's the that's been the problem right from the beginning. Whereas, say New Zealand, she just went no, no one in, no one out. We're dealing with this. We're gonna we're gonna get through this. We're gonna sort this out.
2: And they're having sort gigs. They're you gonna... know, they've got big rock festivals going on over yeah. there right now. I can't. Uh, and I think the other thing, Rich, is that I mean, one of the gigs we were meant to do last year, which has been moved to this year, but it's already been moved yet again. We were meant to be playing at <coughs> the Palladium on yeah. the fourth of I think it was the 4th of May last year, uh, with and it sold out full orchestra and choir. So you've got oh, 3,000 audience plus, you know, 100 people on stage plus the choir. I can't, and that's been moved to May the 11th now, and I think it's been moved again because it isn't going to happen. I can't see how that would happen. But I also, I don't know about you, but even as we've just said about if I was to meet you in the pub and we had a hug, et cetera, that mm. whole feeling of being confident to be able to do that. But sit. I mean, one of the shows we've got this year is on the 4th of July at Hampton uh, Open Air Swimming Pool, which is about 5,000 people. Wow. Uh, I can't imagine it happening. I can't no. imagine 5,000 people sitting in a, a field together. Fuck, I hope it does. You yeah. Know, I really hope it does, for all of our sakes. Well, I, I tell you what, I did a gig, end, beginning of
1: September, Kaiser Chiefs, Gabrielle, Stereo MCs, it was big bands, Squeeze were on, huge bands, and... But everybody, it was in, it was uh, it was Tom Kerridge. It was this pub garden thing they were doing. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Henley, and everyone was in their cars in their individual garden bits. Um, but the but the bands the, I remember talking to Ricky Wilson before, and these people are like like you, they've played in front of thousands of people, but they were so nervous because they were everyone was in their cars. They're not going to get the same reaction. No. You know, he's like, I don't know what we're gonna do, you know, like there's nothing worse than singing a song like I Predict a Riot and everyone's just flashing their car lights. You know, it's a different vibe. So yeah, I think these things might go ahead, but they're gonna be in that environment which doesn't lend itself to 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 the vibe, does it? You know, like Prokoharam's massive. You're, you, you there's a there's a there's a there's a there's a reaction that you as a giant band expect from your audience that you would get. But now it's going to be just people in their cars. It's like they're, it's like you're just, just playing. You're doing your stuff, but it's going imagine to be if weird. they couldn't it's
2: imagine rich. Imagine if they couldn't laugh, but they had to flash their lights. Well, this is what they had to do. They had to flash their lights because they thought it was halls. funny. Yeah. Oh fucking and, hell! It's, <laughs> it's, that's enough to put your brain in forever.
1: And you just and you you know. Luckily, there was a kind of it. We're all in this together, so they understood how how difficult it was for us, and vice versa, and and we got through it but it's not ideal you know it's not ideal it, i mean uh, i'm yeah, eventually we'll be back and eventually these big gigs will start again and and the paranoia will subside and when we realize we're not killing each other and yeah. i mean you know you're, you've been in the industry years like like what would what did it feel like when you were when you first joined Prokol Harum? that's a big that that must have been a... but how did you
2: feel was that a scary thing It's like oh shit i won't fuck this up that's a good question as yeah. well because um the first band I ever saw live and I was only a teenager. I was I can't remember exactly I might have been I might have been twelve or thirteen actually, so just about a teenager mm. was was Prokul Haram Wow. And I I was there with my brother, my mum came, she was she's really into music. Um so well, she must have been about forty five, I guess, at the time, forty five, fifty, something like that. And um she, uh well, she would have been younger than that. Uh, and I said to my mother, I was at school at the time, and I said, that's what I'm going to do. That's, yeah, right. that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play, uh well, I was playing piano anyway, but I said, I'm going to be a rock musician. I'm going to play in a band like that. And I was still at school, obviously, because I was still at school when we did, um well, I was in my last year at school when I was involved in Quadrophenia.
1: Well, this is it, yeah, cross-section.
2: Yeah, that's another thing, but I'll go back to the program thing first. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um so that was 19, let's say it's 72, 73, something like that. Uh, and I decided that's what I was going to do music-wise. And then I did start doing music, obviously, and I ended up playing in lots of bands. And I was, um, I'd was i been on tour with, with, with I, I was in Big Country for a bit, and I was on tour with mid at the time. And then Mark Brzezicki from Big Country and me, and Pete Townsend's brother from The Who, Simon Townsend, we all, um, we fought, the three of us formed a band. Um we went to the States, we recorded some great songs, and we ended up getting um getting a record deal with Atlantic Records. Uh oh, yeah. with Arma Ertigan of course, who's uh, no longer with us, but he's a you know, he was he started Atlantic Records. And um we were doing our we were doing our uh, album and we were in the Isle of Man recording. This was, this was about nineteen ninety one. Nineteen nineteen, ninety one, something like that. Uh and the phone rang in the control room. And I picked up the phone. I said, "Hello, studio." You know, because anybody by the phone. Yeah. And this guy said, "Oh, said, can I speak to Mark Rizziki, please?" I said, um, "Well, not really at the moment. Uh, he's actually in the he's in the studio, just recording drums at the moment. Uh, I'll take a message. Oh, can you ask him to speak to? Call this number, please. Speak to Gary Brooker." Wow. So, I put the phone down and I thought, "Well, it's not the Gary Brooker because they broke up in 1978. But I could yeah. hear some organ in the background. They were in the studio as well. They'd reformed, but nobody knew. And uh, Mark came in and he said, I said, oh, Mark, by the way, you've got to ring this guy back. Oh, what's that about? I said, I don't know. Give him a buzz. I didn't know, really. <laughs> so he, he, uh, he rang this guy and he came back and said, oh, we said, sort I've of just been asked to play on an album, uh, two or three songs on an album with, um, with uh, I said, Procol Harum." He said, how would you know that? because I had not written it <laughs> on the piece of paper. And I said, well, I've just be- you've just been speaking. said, yeah, I've just been speaking to the manager. I said, no, you haven't. You've been speaking to Gary Brooker. I wow. said, that is Procol Haram. Yeah. I, you know, and he said, oh, anyway, so he ended up doing this album, um, and then got invited to go and start doing some live shows with them. And funnily enough, uh, they were finishing off some of the stuff at a studio, literally just at, down the road from where I am here now in Ripley in Surrey. Yeah. Uh, and Mark said, why don't you come down and um, hang out a bit, meet the guys? So I did, and we ended up going for a pint, and Gary and I got on the house on fire immediately. We we're really, wow. and we're still great buddies now, all those years later. Um, and I said one of those things that you often say in the heat of the moment where you think, fuck, I wish I hadn't said that. It's kind of the, <laughs> the wrong thing. And I said to Gary, I said, you know, uh, the second album, pro-? yeah. He's, I said, B-side third track in. He said, well, I know all of them. I wrote them. And I said, oh, yeah, and of course you did. <laughs> That's a bit of a daft thing to say. I felt like such a dick. And of yeah. course I did. I wrote them all. It's like asking Paul McCartney, do you know she you know she loves you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course I do. Yeah. You fucking did it. Anyway, so uh, what happened is that then they went on the road and then the... the the organ player at the time, who had played originally on A White Shade, he decided to do something else. He decided to go and read maths at Cambridge or something mad. Oh, so I got okay. invited to play with the band and that was 21 years after I'd seen Harum. Incredible. Firstly. So not only did, did I it- say to my mother, I'm going to do that, I didn't know at the time that I actually meant, <laughs> I'm going <do laughs> to <that."> do that. <laughs> <laughs> it must have
1: been
2: 1992 or three, something like that. Yeah. Maybe 93. Gary was uh, Gary was forty seven. He's now seventy four. That's how long ago yeah. it was. Wow. Um, but yeah, how did it feel? I tell you, the it's one. I don't know how much time you've got.
1: No, so because right. the first time, the first time you sat, you'd already been for a pint. Then you're on. Then you're on board, and that like, right, we're going You're gonna come on tour, and you're gonna. You're gonna be playing. That first time you sat behind the keyboards with Procol haram Well, how that, did it that
2: feel? was a that was a kind of weird uh, moment in my life. Um, But it was also, again, there's a joke in this because Gary's a very funny man. And we're now playing, we're in Germany somewhere. It's the first show that I'm doing. And we're in Germany and uh, it's a double bill. It's us and Jethro Tull. Wow. And there must have been, I don't know, 80,000 people, something like that. And I thought, we'd already done... Like you know, all of the songs, and so, so we were about the third song from the end. So we were going to do a wider shade of pale, which of course is the one that everybody is waiting yeah. for, and of course, from a keyboard player's point of view, you know, yeah, it's the one that you got to play. And I can remember inside, I was, I felt sick, <laughs> I felt excited, elated, yeah. all at the same time, uh, emotional, all of these things. And I'm thinking, and it felt like a lifetime to get on to this track because it was only we played a song before it and then Gary was introducing it but in true Gary style he's he's sort of you know he's playing his piano he's going uh, he said hello gentlemen um, he sounds a bit like Tommy <laughs> Cooper <laughs> <laughs> and he kept turning around going sorry what there's 50,000 people and he said hang and he said so this next song everybody uh, probably knows it and he starts sort of suggesting you know what's going kind of playing you know sort of bark sort of stuff and he, and he kept looking around and there's 50,000 people there, and I said hang on a minute I'm sorry about that I've got to move my car and, <laughs> and he got up and walked <laughs> off which is nonsense no rock stars about to go and go move his car you see so I'm now laughing I'm, I'm kind of I'm relaxed and I'm thinking yeah. right he said anyway it goes a bit like this one two three and the drummer who was a dep at the time uh, he did do quite a few uh, gigs with us he played the drums for the next track, and Gary stopped. Oh, stop, stop, stop! He said, "Stop." He said, "Oh, he said, do you know when you're trying to build when you're trying to build furniture?" <laughs> he says, "Sometimes you can't find the wood." Right? <laughs> and they said, "It goes like this." And then we did the song, and it was like this adrenaline rush went yeah. through me, and all through it, I was feeling, "Is this real? Is this a weird yeah. dream? I'm playing this song." That's Gary singing there. Oh, that's right. And I'm playing the organ. It was like a wow. weird... It was almost the beginning of a panic attack, all, all, in, yeah. all in one emotion, all at the same time. It was... I was clammy. I was shaking. I was excited. I was yeah. relieved that we were playing it. And it was like this sort of weird, fluid thing coming out of me. Uh, and the
1: crowd went bananas I the bet the crowd Those went bananas
2: bars, yeah. anyway and this is the funny thing afterwards so we've now of course at the end of that show because it's the first time I've played A White shade, and it's the first gig under the belt uh, we get pretty trashed at the bar backstage yeah no at the hotel Gary and I uh, at the hotel now and we're, we're both at the bar and we got pretty pissed you see and this German, <laughs> German man came out um, I love the German, so this is not a, in any way meant to be <laughs> derogatory. There we go. <laughs> he came up and said, Oh, excuse me. He said, um, I just have to say uh, one thing. It's very lovely to uh, meet uh, Mr. Brooker and uh, Mr. Phillips here. He said, But I'm concerned because uh, you said that you couldn't get the wood. <laughs> and Gary looked at me and he went, What? <laughs> What's he talking about? And I said, <laughs> "I said, uh, Sorry, he said, But tomorrow, you will play in the forest. With the Jethro Tull tour and it's a big lot of wood there. So you will be able to build the furniture. <laughs> I think he was being very dry. Well that was the moment and and all of those things alleviated that stress. Yeah.
0: Uh,
2: and when I say stress, it's it was a nice stress. It wasn't a horrible shit, I wish no. I, you know I haven't done my homework stress. It was the it was just that feeling like, Thank God that's over, but uh, it was also what a shame that's over oh but luckily we're yeah. doing it tomorrow and now I've probably done I don't know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shows with Proglarum since then because I I was really adept at that point and I joined the band permanently in twen- in 2004 brilliant so that's brilliant. 17 years ago isn't it
1: yeah wow. Uh,
2: wow and we did a new album about 2 or 3 years ago which Gary and I wrote together mo- wrote most of it in this very room in fact how weird no is that no way and uh that's excellent. Yeah, so
1: it's. Um... You've had loads of these moments throughout your life since. I mean, I've known you a long time. Uh, yeah, quite a while now, ten years or so. And you know the stories that you tell, or the gigs that I've done for you in front of it, it, that one we did at, at Kenny Jones's place. Oh always yeah. stay with me. That that was so surreal. With all those, you had members of foreigner sat there. You had you had <laughs> Kenny at the back, and you had you had Damon Damon Hill. And I remember a was minute, Mike Rutherford like, there. Yeah, he was. was I a, think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sort of stood there on stage. I hadn't I been going very long. I don't even been going a few years. I just remember standing there, just going, just had a moment of, fuck. This is, <laughs> this is surreal. This is so surreal. And you must have had, you've had plenty of these moments. Like you were like we we mentioned earlier. You were in you you were the band in Quadrophenia. Yeah. So you got to work with Roger Daltrey and and uh, and Pete Townsend and. That's that's
2: really, um, that was a real, uh, you know, stab yourself in the arm to check your alive Mm. moment. Because um, there's always funny stories around these things. There's always funny stories. But I mean, I was at school, I was in my last year at school and I wasn't doing particularly well because I really wasn't interested. I I knew what I wanted to do. I mean, I remember the careers talks. I remember going into the little room with a careers officer who was probably a dodgy guy, half rim specs on real typical sort of, teacher of the 70s, you know, mm. he said, now, it's okay, so it says here that you want to be a musician. I said, yep, that's right. And he said, um, so what do you really want to do? I said, well, I, I really want to be a musician. I am a musician and that's what I'm going to do. Mm. Yeah. Um, you're quite good at metal work. I said, yeah. He said, um, so, cause there was, I was at school in, in, uh, in Rochester, in Kent, Chatham. Oh, Kent. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, There was a dockyard there in those days, and they were trying to get everybody into the dockyards. That's what they wanted everybody to do. So he wanted me to join the, you know, and I think I swore him. I think I was only a kid, and I said something like, you know, what do you want me to do? Make a fucking trombone or something. It was something like that, you know. (laughs) Uh, And it wasn't long after that that then I was playing in this band cross-section of whom you just mentioned, and we were only kids. Yeah, we were just a, fun, a you know, a gigging band kids doing working men's clubs and the odd pub here and there. I don't think we ever did pubs. We were too young because we were like mm. 15, 16 year olds, seventeen. The bass player, I think. But we were playing working men's clubs, and we had a uh, there was an uh, there was a um, uh, an advert in the Melody Maker, uh, and it said, um, "Do you do you want sex, drugs, rock and roll?" That's right. Now, of course, we we're only kids. Because <laughs> uh, fuck yeah, yeah, we yeah. did some of that. And we sent our demo off and we ended up getting an audition um, and we were uh, the band auditioned at um, camden electric ballroom in camden town and after the audition uh, we decided to go down and get some kentucky fried chicken or something and as we were walking along and i'm not joking i kept seeing roger daughtry following us right. down the lake down the high, high street cameron high street and i said to the guys I don't think I'm imagining this. I said, but I think we're being followed by Roger Daltrey, <laughs> And they uh, and said, I'll oh, shut up, you fucking idiot. Of course you're not. <laughs> I said, No, we are. I said, He keeps, every time I look around, he sort of goes into a shop window, you know, stops. Anyway, so we got our Kentucky, and I said, He's still there. We're outside our van now, and our manager was just like, Aunt- he was one of the guy's dads. He was just like Arnie Fufkin from. Uh, Spinal Tap. You, oh yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. You? Although yeah. an English version knew nothing about the music industry or rock and roll, and uh, Daughtry came up to us and he said, "Hello, lads." He said, uh, "I enjoyed that." We said, oh, "Thank you." You know, he said, uh, and "We all had long hair." He said, uh, "Would you be be prepared to have your hair cut short?" You know. Yeah. And our drummer said, "Yes, um, Diet purple, whatever." <laughs> and Bill then sort of nudges him out the way. he Says, "All right," I says, uh, uh, "Are you interested in the boys?" I he didn't. you know, he said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." He said, "Well, this is their card. This is my card." He said, "Give him, give them a buzz. You know, if you, if you, if you want to book them." He said, "But we got to get back. We have got things to do. You see." So, so we he went. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and he he walked off. And uh, we said, "Bill, what the fuck are you doing?" Yeah, and he said. What do you mean? He said, we said that was Roger Daltrey. He said, yeah. "I don't give a fuck who it was. I'm the manager." <laughs> he oh, says, I've fuck. never heard of I've never heard of him anyway. So, oh no! But anyway, we ended up getting the phone call and we got the part. And I and uh, I suddenly I was a hero at school, and you know the school teachers were talking to me, and the music teacher was saying, "Well, of course, you know." You we always were going to do well. And I said, nothing to do with you. I haven't had one yeah, lesson from off. you, mate. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and that was the beginning of that. And that was really the beginning of my career as far as I was 15, nearly 16. And uh, yeah, I was just 16. So I was I was really leaving school anyway. But of course, I was going to go to music college <clears throat> and do all of those things that I probably should have done. Uh, but I wasn't interested because I, you know Quadra, Quadrophenia, and we thought we were done. We thought that was it. We made this yeah. is it, and of course we weren't. And you yeah, know, we were only in it for a tiny. Bit. We got one track on the soundtrack, so that was a good call. But in. this is, but this is it. One of the first, one of the first albums I bought
1: uh, with my own money from the Virgin Mega Store. Uh, I remember, I remember the day well. I went up and I bought, uh, I bought Madonna's Like a Virgin album, and I bought the soundtrack to Quadrophenia. Yeah, well, wow. and. And cross section were on it, and so and I absolutely loved that version of High Heel Sneakers. You used to play it on repeat all the time. So then meeting you and you going, "Oh yeah, that was me." I blew my head off, <laughs> blew my fucking head off. And I've had it on in the car. I go, "I know this fella," and it's and it's. it's did you it's know, a, Rich? Good... Did you know
2: we re-recorded it?
1: Really? Yeah. What, for the album?
2: No, um, I probably. Might have it on my studio, in the studio here. I'll send it to you. We yeah. we re-recorded High Hill Sneakers. We no, hadn't really. seen each other for thirty years, and we ended up doing the first because you know I was the musical director at the Rock and Horsepower shows with Kenny Jones mm. and all those. Yes, yeah. And I said just one thing, Ken. I'd really love to get this band back together and just come on and play High Hill Sneakers. Kenny, I didn't. Did he play drums? I Can't remember. He was going to. So I think we ended up. Jeff played in the end. But. Um, so we all got together. We hadn't seen each other for donkeys years because Dean, the drummer, lives in Norway. Uh one of the guitar players lives in Tenerife. Um another guy lives in Kent, bass player. Um and the singer, guitar player, he's a he's a qualified naval well not naval, but qualified sea uh he delivers ships. He's a you know, he's a captain. Oh really? Yeah. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we hadn't seen each other for years and we ended up meeting up. And I uh, we, I think it was through social media of some form or other. We kind of got yeah. back in touch. I'd always been in touch with the drummer. He, he and I are dear friends. And uh, we, um, yeah, we ended up doing... Uh, uh, well, we got No, we got together. We ended up going to the pub, first of all. Of course we did. <laughs> and that was really weird because we hadn't seen each other for about 30 years. So the last time we'd all seen each other, we were sort of, you know... 16 17 and now we're all 50 something yeah uh, amazing yeah but we got together i said look there's a studio next to my studio here we can do some do it live we came in and we did high heel sneakers and dimples three wow. runs on all of them and it sounded like the record <laughs> and, and uh... I'll, I'll, i've got it somewhere i'll i'll send it to you rich because you might you might want to play a bit in if you want beautiful one of those lovely lovely moments in my life again where yeah, you know, wow, that that was a milestone. I think we all yeah. have milestones, don't we in, in yes, in our careers. Um, and those milestones at the moment again are going to be marked, I think, by coronavirus. This is going to be a real yeah. milestone for uh, it's um, I mean if you think about the the way uh, technology has advanced so rapidly in the last year, I mean, the fact that we've got a vaccine is extraordinary. Yeah, it's incredible. It's brilliant. The scientists worldwide, I mean, just imagine if they put their heads together again and came up with cures and things for other stuff. I know. um, but milestones, you know, I mean, when you think about when we are going to get, I mean, there's some things that have come out of this that are good. I mean, probably because of COVID and the, the lockdown and stuff, your podcasts are probably more successful than if, and if the, yeah, the world was true. normal. Yeah, um, true. There's I don't unfortunately for us in the music industry we've got some uh, a few things in the way one of them is called Spotify businessman again in the way
1: yeah yeah yeah
2: because you know you can have I think it's a million streams or it might be 10 million No, I think it's a million streams will earn you $1200
1: the ridiculous has always been that way hasn't it? I remember Noel Gallagher saying for every pound he earned somebody else earned a fiver
2: yeah that's true and
1: and now I I mean my lads I've I've drummed it into them. I'm like, look, yeah, you might have Spotify and you might have this and that, but if you actually pay for your music, it means the bands that you're that you love will be able to make more of it. And that's, yeah, exactly, and and, they, the, and people yeah. don't
2: understand that. You know, no. this whole f- I've heard people say, oh yeah, well, I've got a family Spotify, and it's like, well, yeah, that's ten quid a month, as much music as you want to listen to. I tell you what, let's do that with Costa Coffee. Ten quid a month, as many coffees as you want. It wouldn't Arsenal yeah, yeah. would it as a
1: business? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yet you're yet you're still expected to go into the studio, and and the, I mean, people don't understand how much it costs. Well, exactly. To put an album together.
2: I you mean, know? there's and you're, a keyboard and you're there. To do it for free. That's, yeah. that's three and a half grand. That one there. There's a piano here. That's two and a half. There's an organ there. That's ten. There must be a hundred thousand pounds worth of equipment in the studio. Yeah. And it hasn't been paid for by royalties. No. And then they and then, <laughs> and, then and then and then you and then musicians such as yourself. Will, you know,
1: the, 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 the famous people will go and do an advert for whatever and then they'll get slated for that. And you're like, look, they've got to earn their money from somewhere and unfortunately you're not paying for your music. So they're going to have to go and advertise jeans or whatever it is to, to get, you know, they're going to have to yeah. focus on selling merch at gigs and stuff like that because there's, you know, going, you know, touring is where you make your money because you're not getting it from the the, the revenue that you should do from recording. I don't know what the, I know Fergal Sharky's been doing some stuff about about the Spotify thing, about the, the streaming thing, but I see. Mm. what can you do? What can you do? You, you hate to, it needs them to go. Actually, you're right, and they and they just will not, will they? Unless no. laws change.
2: Well, I think also, Rich, I don't know whether how you feel about this, but and whether the public can sustain it and uh, and and mop up a bit. But you know, when we go back on the road, initially, we're not going to be able to play. Uh, 4,000 seaters you will no. you'll be allowed 2,000 people in a 4,000 seater so yeah. the promoters and the musicians and the crew and everybody else we're gonna to have to put the prices up a bit we're gonna have to mm. just to start yeah. with you know and you guys as well because let's say you come and do the comedy club uh, our comedy club and it's 15 quid or whatever it is to get it ten, fifteen quid or whatever it's to get in and um, we rely on getting as many people as you possibly can in that room yeah. so what's going to have to happen is that we're going to have to say right you, to, to, to make this work, you're going to, you know, there's only going to be half of the audience in here, but it's going to have to be 30 quid. Yeah, exactly. If only yeah. 30 people turned up, we wouldn't be able to pay anybody. And it's just, you know, there won't yeah. be enough money to go around at all. And I think the public, are going to have to get used to that, you know, for a while. Yeah. Well, this is what I was talking, I was talking to someone the other day about that. The way they were talking was
1: like, as if everything's just going to just snap back to how it was. And I'm like, no, 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 this is going to need to be rebuilt. You're not going to be able to be getting the money that you were getting before. So gigs such as yours, for instance, you know, we're all going to have to do it because we're all going to, have to be in it to rebuild it together. So we can't be going, yeah. Well, I was getting this amount of money before, so why isn't it a lot the same? We, everything's got to start again. So our fees will be lower. Um, the, the 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 ticket prices need to be higher in order to cover even those lower fees. You know, this, yeah, yeah, all, yeah. there has to be an understanding on all levels. And I think the public need to be on that, on that understanding as well that in order for you to get the beautiful music and the comedy that you love, we're all going to have to chip in a bit more and, and take a hit here and there and, yeah. and, and, and to, to, to build it back up again, you know? It's, it's- but,
2: but, you know, I'd really like to see... I would like to... Um, I would like to think that maybe the public will st- start to understand that you have to pay for recorded stuff as well. So you could put yeah. out a live album, Rich Wilson Live or whatever... Uh, yeah. And it's 10 quid for a disc or, well, it, discs aren't cool anymore because it's plastic. But, you know, the, tech, the, the problem we've got is the download culture. That's yeah. the problem. The download they culture. Can't, they can't understand
1: that. They go, well, why would I pay for it? Well, I can get it for nothing. And we go, well, that's where it needs to change. That accessibility needs to change, doesn't it? That you're going to have to pay. You yeah. will have to pay for it. Yeah, yeah
2: we've got it. So what are, we, what are you looking forward to, Rich, most, apart from getting back on the road?
1: Just seeing everyone again and, and being yeah. able to go out, just to be that 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 I you know those little things of, oh I'm gonna I'll pop up the shops. Oh, I'm gonna go for a wander around a, around you know some charity shops or you know go yeah. go hunting for for vinyl. I I'm big on that. So, you know it's it's I just doing things like you know like going to your gig, for example, was a chance for me to catch up with friends. You know, yeah. it wasn't, it's not just, I'm not just working. Yes. It's actually, these are people that I love, that I enjoy the company of. Yeah. So now I get a chance to spend an evening with these wonderful people. And I miss that, you know, I miss yeah. that. That's what I want. I can't wait to get back to that. It's very true. You know? so it's not
2: just the gigging. It's not just the gigging. It's it's, it's that social element as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, us as a band being on the road, sadly, we haven't, I haven't seen Matt, the bass player for uh, about 15 months. Uh, I've seen Gary. Gary and I, because we were quite close to each other, you know, geographically. Um, we haven't seen each other, but when we're on the road, it's a bit like, um, it's a bit like a marriage, really. You're all together every day. You're spent, you know, you're sitting next to each other on the tour of us, or on a flight, or you're on stage together, or you're eating together, you're drinking together, all of that, and suddenly it's all gone out of the window. It's not just the band, it's the crew as well. Um, you know, we've all got a tech. Yeah. You've got sound man, manager, all those things, and we're really... Well oiled, always, always at the end of the night, completely <laughs> well oiled uh, machine. And <laughs> yeah. we've got to, as you just say, rebuild it. It's almost like we've got to get the, that machine <coughs> cranked up again and some new oil in it. And, yeah. You know, so psychologically, it's a massive uh, ladder we've got to climb again, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you what, when they made the announcement the other day saying, oh, we, the roadmap back out of this mess. I did feel a little bit of anxiety because now I've got used to the way things are. So I've got used to online gigs. Mm. I've got used to talking to people via the internet. I'm indoors quite a bit. You know, I go for a walk now and again just to keep the, keep the blood flowing. But when they said, oh, yeah, we're going back, we've got to get back out. There like you said before, there was an anxiety. I was like, oh, shit. Now I've got to relearn how to mm. be amongst people again.
2: hopefully hopefully what we yes that's a big thing isn't it be amongst people again hopefully we can uh, we'll overcome that and maybe it will be more rather than less we'll have our live world and we will have more of an online uh, I mean you know going back to 92 year old mother my 92 year old mother uh, she has embraced whatsapp so wonderful she's a -er. whatsapper we do whatsapp and FaceTime and Zoom, all of those things. She's oh, I'm quite happy doing that, dear. And she, she she would never have done that if it hadn't been for this dreadful virus. The world yeah. would not have accelerated that quickly. Well, I
1: think that's it. I think all of us suddenly, you can't just, there was no room for you to sit back and go, oh, I don't really understand how it works. I'm a bit of a technophobe. You're like, no, no, no. You have to get your head around this. It's not that difficult. It, you just you need this, because that interaction in any way, shape or form with another person is so important. It's so important. And I realised that halfway through this last lockdown, I, I realised I was shutting down. I was shutting off. I wasn't talking to people. I wasn't reaching out. And then I, I, I had some trouble and I just went, right. And I did reach out and I put out, I went, look, I need a bit of work. I need some help. Yeah. And I was I was flooded with help. People went from all, all manner of places. That's terrific. And I suddenly felt myself buoyed again. I was lifted. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is so important. We need this. We need to be able to talk to each other. Yeah. You know? And, yeah, absolutely. And... and, and yeah you know, like this now today me talking to you is has been a wonderful catch up it's been it's been too long it's not it's been we should have done this before yeah well um, listen we should and, do it anyway even uh, yeah. even
2: if we don't record it it would be nice to just chat occasionally and and also your your love and understanding of the music that I I'm involved in as well um i've just written a northern soul album which you're going to love
1: oh yes it, yes yeah, it, i love um, that it I was originally
2: that. for library but uh i've got a feeling it might go a little further than that because Brilliant. It, I've um there's this great singer that I'm working with, a guy called Jess uh Jess Pyre. Uh, He's a uh, about thirty-two year old uh, black guy sing used to sing in the London community gospel choir, and he sings back in vocals with um with Jess Glyn. man Excellent. has he got a voice. He's just fantastic. Really. And he and I have started writing together. Uh and it's it's really cool. It's you know There's something about there's something about there's um Charlene
1: Spateri did an album a few years ago but it had a, northern, had a northern soul vibe to it. And there's something about that, that, that northern soul sound that really gets me going. And it's it, really you know,
2: exciting. And in fact, there's, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm reading a book about, I've picked a couple of books up, reading about the history of it all. Uh, and so, obviously, it was really born here, you know, in the, well, the yeah. north of England. But uh, it, it was massive ties with the mod scene as well. That's right. Yeah. So th- there's a big correlation between those two, and there's a parallel sort of universe between the mods and the Northern Soul. And I've always loved it, and I've always loved the sort of Motown thing as well. So it's kind of Motowny, but brilliant with a bit of a twist. Uh, and I think you'll like it a lot. I'll send you. I'll send you the cross section stuff. And yes, I'll send you, make sure you uh, I'll do. send you one of these Northern Soul tracks. Oh, that'd be
1: fantastic. Yeah, let me listen because I I love the Northern Soul dancing and I do a lot of that in my kitchen, spinning around. Excellent. And then you wrote, and then you did, and then you did the Strictly theme, which I
2: I'd forgotten you told me. Well, yeah, yeah. How mad is that? Yeah, Strictly was a thing, that, and that's a while ago now. God, I don't know how long ago. It was. Well, there's some awards here. I think it was 2007 we did
1: that. <laughs> Just casually dropped that in. <laughs> there's a few awards kicking around. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, this is. I really appreciate you coming back from your mums and doing this for me. It's, a, it, it's it, what it's friends been, it's are for, Rich. Um, and I think that's yeah. the other
2: thing that COVID has done is that. It's made people think a little bit more about other people. Yes. Yeah, We're less insular, I hope. Yes, you're so
1: right, Josh. That's a, uh, that's exactly what's happened. We are... And people listening to this now, we get a lot of people messaging after these episodes just saying, oh, that was just lovely to hear someone else saying these things. And you've hit the nail right on the head. I think it's it's really underlying the importance of friendship. Yes, very important. Yeah, absolutely. Very important. And Josh... Thank you, mate. I really appreciate it.
2: You're, really You're more a welcome. good man. Thanks so much, you know, great for doing it. And uh, mate. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Josh, thank you, mate. Cheers, Rich, cheers, Paul.
0: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra.